Hello, and thank you for joining me on another edition of the Showgame podcast. Firstly, a huge thank you to everyone who listened, uh, gave some feedback on the first episode with Sai. It was great to hear from so many of you who listened and enjoyed. Uh, Josh, DP and myself have been talking about some different ideas that we've had, so we're planning to have some fun stuff coming to you over the next few weeks. But for this episode, I spoke to Fauzia Mahmoud. Uh, Fauzia is on the UKU board. She's an inspiring leader in the UK Ultimate community who's put in a lot of time, a lot of thought and a lot of effort into improving uh, diversity and equity in our sport. So let's hear from her. All right. I am joined now by Fauzia Mahmoud. Fauzia, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a bit drizzly outside, but otherwise all good. How have you been doing during uh, lockdown? I know it's been a, a weird time for everybody. So how have things been for you? It's been really tough in terms of like motivating myself with physical activity. Um, I realized how much I depend on a plastic disc and chasing it down for my <laughs> fitness and sort of motivating myself to do anything otherwise has been a struggle. But I think we're getting there. I've picked up a bit of disc golf, which is, I think, what most ultimate players are doing at this point. Um, but other than that, I can't complain. Good. How are you at disc golf? I haven't tried it yet, but I have this horrible feeling that I'm going to be terrible at it. So maybe that's why I haven't tried it yet. It's it's super hard. So I, I've also just started to use the actual disc golf discs and the technique is completely different. So trying to unlearn what you know about your ultra star and then putting in these motions are wild and it seems completely wrong. But it's it's fun. It's a completely different sport, and it's really really fun. Something new to learn, I suppose. Something uh, something to get to get to grips with. I know what you mean. Those those things fly off to uh, it's they roll out, don't they? Fly off to the right on a backhand um, a lot more than I was yeah. expecting. <laughs> so so tell me how how long have you been playing frisbee? How did you get into it? So I started playing ultimate in 2010. Um, me and my friends were in our second year of uni at King's College. And we were like, okay, we need to start doing something with our time because we hadn't joined any societies, we hadn't done any activities. Um, so we signed up for about 10 different sports and societies. And I had heard about Ultimate from one of my old science teachers. So I grew up in Saudi Arabia and I went to an international school and we had this Irish science teacher who told us about Ultimate. So I'd heard about it before and all like the the older kids would play. Um, I never actually played it before and I was like oh this is the chance to go try it out and it was just the loveliest group of people I guess because everyone is on the same level they're just trying to introduce everyone to the sport and they're just really lovely with that and yeah so we ended up deciding to join ultimate out of all the other sports out there because we were actually allowed to play and they were fun and I haven't looked back since Great. I suppose that's how it goes at university, isn't it? You find something that you enjoy and then it kind of goes from there. It branches out from there. Yeah, exactly. So since you've been playing in, from uh, 2010, how many teams have you played for? Oh, my gosh. Um, so with women's, is pretty straightforward. It was just um, ISO from start and then DC from my second year onwards. Uh, mixed, however, has been a bit of a mixed bag. Because it seems like every every team I played with kind of disbanded, which I don't know if it's me or, yeah, or if it's just London or if it's just London in general. So I started playing with Flump Mixed and then ABH and then Path City and Path City kind of turned into Zoo. So now I play with Zoo. Got a few a few different kits then. So many kits. 
So many pieces of kit. <laughs> Everyone has more kit than they need. So I think the first, the place I want to kind of start after that is the UKU board. So you've been on the UKU board for, for how long now? Um, so it's been about two years now. And why is it and... that you decided to go for that position? Why did you, what did you think, what did you, you contribute there? So I, I had no intention of actually applying and going for it. Um, but I was recommended and invited to apply because they had said that they wanted a few more women on the board, which is completely mm-hmm. understandable. Sure. And that is the way that our sport is pushing into like gender equity. So because I had a background, I've been on the women's committee for a couple of years now. And I think I have a different understanding. I'm not a GB player. And I think I felt really scared because of that. I've never done GB. I've never done any elite ultimate. So I was like, am I actually good for this position? But the fact that I haven't, and I know a whole lot about not GB and not elite Frisbee, which is a huge percentage of the rest of the people that play. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, that's why I was like, actually, I do have a good perspective on this. Mm. Um, so I applied, I got onto the board. And again, at first, there, there's that imposter syndrome, like, why am I, why am I actually here? Everyone else is so much more qualified. They know what they're talking about. I, I don't know. And it's taken me a while to sort of find my footing with it. But I think it's good. So in finding that footing, I suppose it's finding, finding the role that you want to have, finding the, the things you can contribute on, right? So, so what are those yeah. things that have helped you kind of get that footing, get, that, get to grips with what it is that you want to try and do? I think it's that the connection to more of like the, the, the groundwork ultimate, like what's happening to get more people into ultimate in the first place. Like, what are we doing on that end? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, in terms of our gender equity, that's like a huge part of our plan, our strategic plan. So understanding things about that, seeing what was happening on the Women's Committee, bringing that in. It's me and Serena, which is amazing because it's at least two of us, like sort of connecting the dots between the two. Yeah. Um, and then recently it's been the whole diversity thing. And I think when I was elected on the board, that didn't go past me. I was like, oh, am I here because I am the person of color and I look really good on the board. And I kind of, for the last couple of years now, I've been having these conversations with people on the sideline, at parties, about like what is happening with diversity? Should we be doing something? How do we feel about it? And since everything's been going on, I felt like, okay, this is the time now to actually put it forward to the board. What are we doing? Because before it it seemed like something that only I was doing, but that's not going to get anywhere. So at least now we've got all of these things in plan and actually speaking about it which is amazing. So it's obviously, from my perspective, great that you bring up the two things that, that really I wanted to talk to you about, which is the bringing women into the sport and, and improving the that equity movement and also diversity. But before we move on to those two things, how how does it feel, I suppose, knowing that you're kind of being a part of setting the agenda, setting the direction for the sport in the UK? Is it daunting or is it exciting? It's a bit of both, to be honest. And I think one of the things we've been looking at is like, how are other NGBs dealing with this? And we've like come to realize that they've not done it very well. So why should why should we be looking at them? Like, mm. why aren't we creating our own framework? Why aren't we? Why can't we be the best at doing this by doing our own thing? And so putting in all of these ideas, it's super daunting because how is it going to be right? Is it going to be wrong? Are we going to do, are we going to do it properly? I've done um, a bit of work with charities in the past. So I have a bit of idea of where does funding go? Does it actually help? 
what can we actually do that would be sustainable in the future because I don't want it to be a movement for now and yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of looking at it as a problem for now to be solved right now whereas that's not sustainable at all so moving forward I really want this to be something that we bring up every single time and just see what our progress is over the years not just for now yeah it's a great point so I, th I think if we move on to the uh, you mentioned the um, the racial equality and and um, and the diversity aspect of things. So, your perspective as a as a board member and as you mentioned as a as a player of color, what what do you think is is the important thing here? What what's your what's your perspective on what needs to what needs to change? So I think it's a bit of it's a kind of a twofold thing. So our first thing is how do we as a sport become anti racist? So there's a lot of things that people, so a lot of our community have come forward and saying like, oh, what can we be doing better? Is there anything that we need to be doing better? Are we saying something that's wrong? And it's all about just educating yourself. There are so, so many things online that you can just read about. You can just watch even TV shows and movies that will just help you educate yourself. So, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone that you aren't going to be offensive. So there's the whole, there's a whole anti-racist thing. And then there's the actual lack of racial diversity in our sport. And how do we tackle that? How do we get more players of color in to the sport? Is there something that we're missing out on that? Are we not looking at a whole load of factors that might be why they aren't playing with us? And sort of pinpointing those. And it's a really, really difficult thing because there's so much like intersectional intersectionality that comes into it. So like social mobil mobility, even like with gender, there's not that many women of color that play sport compared to men of color. Mm -hmm. So bringing in all of these factors and trying to figure out how can we bring in players into ultimate is a huge question that I think we need to address. But again, it's not going to be something that's going to take an easy answer. So we've ended up creating a DEI, a diversity, equity and inclusion committee um, that's sort of in the works because we need a whole committee to decide on these things and not just racial diversity. There's so many other aspects of it that we haven't been looking at. And it's, again, I want Ultimate to be the benchmark for, for sport, for being inclusive. Yeah, the sport that other people look to to say this is, you know, these people have got a handle, you know, they haven't obviously solved it, as you say, it's a long-term thing, but they have a handle on what the, the issues are and how to best tackle them. Yeah, exactly. So I know you um, were kind of the driving force behind the the forum for um, black players and, and players of colour to kind of share their experiences. Um, I'm interested to know kind of how that went. I obviously don't expect you to share, you know, exactly what people said, given that it was it was a private kind of a private event. But you know, was there anything in there that was that was uh, would be useful for other people to hear? Um, any experiences that that you thought you know added another element to your understanding? Oh, definitely. It's like from the beginning, there was like a lot of ideas of how do we how do we answer this big this big diversity question and this and this racial equity question. And for me, it's we need to listen to our community. If we come up with ideas and solutions without actually talking to our community, we might be completely way off. Mm. And it just seemed like the really easy the really easy first step was just to do that. And it's also really nice, like for me again whenever I see someone on the sideline that I think that I can relate to, I will go out of my way to have a conversation with them. 
And it is really nice just to have this space, this safe space that everyone could share openly. So we put on this call. I was really nervous. I was like, I don't know how many, how many players are going to show up. And we had over 20 players, which for me was amazing. It's great, yeah. And everyone was like really, really open about their experiences. We had um, breakout rooms, so it was quite private as well. And everyone came back, shared what they needed to share. Like mostly everyone had stories of microaggressions within Ultimate. So again, going back to how to not be a racist, just read up on it because a lot of these a lot of these things came up that are all over the internet. A lot of these little microaggressions um, that we can all do better with addressing. And I don't think anyone can say that they've never thought of it that way. And even like for me, it's like a huge learning experience for me because not everyone is, how can I say it? Like not everyone is the same. Like not everyone knows what's appropriate or what's not appropriate if they've never done any research about it, if they've never actually read up about other people's experiences. So learning about that was really, really great. And then learning about different ideas of why there are different barriers in ultimate and different barriers in sport and things that we can actually tangibly do to help that. It was really important and it was just a whole load of different perspectives from different parts of the country, from different communities and how we can just do better. But also what surprised me the most about the conversation. So obviously it was really, it's really like tough subjects that we're talking about, right? And no one's ever spoken about it openly, this openly with other Ultimate players. But at the end of the day, everyone really loves this sport. They love it so much and they want more people to play and they want it to be a safe space. So how can we bring all of that in and how how do we champion it? Um, Because we do believe in our community. We think our community can do better. And if we tell them to do better, they will do better. So I think it was it ended up being a really positive insight. And I just want to put that out there that none of us are like I think there's this whole idea of everyone's like like really angry at everything and yes we're angry we're so angry with what's happening in the world but we are now given a chance to actually speak up and to drive change and we know our community is one of the best communities to do that in the ultimate community generally i think is um quite good at kind of taking i say quite good obviously there's still ways to go but it's taking things and trying to use them as constructively as possible it certainly doesn't seem to be the kind of um community where people take things it doesn't or at least to me it doesn't appear as though anyone comes in with bad intentions it's always we want to try and make things better so hopefully you know that all the stuff you're talking about there sounds sounds great sounds really positive um and as you say i mean even we're talking about it so openly yeah so like even with the board like when i when i brought all of this up everyone was just so great with it they were just like yes of course we need to be doing this what do you need from us? What what do we need to do? Like there was no resistance. And I think that's so important. And it was really encouraging. Yeah, that's great. Um, another thing I suppose to talk about is the um, the fundraising efforts that have kind of been spearheaded by Deep Space, um, but are going yeah. on not only in the UK, but also in Ireland. The Irish teams are getting involved. Um, there's been, you know, the dashboard is showing how much money's being raised. Look Fly have obviously gotten involved. Um, it's It's great to see people not only being willing to engage in the, the discussions but also trying to help something tangible and trying to you know help make the change in the world that they want to see right yeah for sure like 
like I said, like the ultimate community is incredible. And I think Deep Space, especially like so wonderful to actually put this out there to make such an effort to be fundraising and getting all the other teams involved. Um, we had so I've not had any like direct conversations with Joe just because I've been quite busy. But I had um, Alia speak to her and she put through like some of the ideas that came from the from the forum. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing about one of the things that was brought up about was there's a lot of things that we can do, but UKU doesn't have funds for it. Like we we're not loaded with money no. to put towards all of these really great ideas. So part of that deep space sort of went back to and they were like, well, can can we make a fund? Can like UKU make a fund so we can donate money towards that? And we know it's going to something about that and it's not just getting lost into the other UKU money. So um, we created a DEI fund. So anyone from that committee will then have money to actually put towards projects and actually make change, which is just something that wouldn't have happened before. But the fact that these fundraising efforts have begun and now we have a pot of money coming in to make these projects happen within Ultimate mm. is just mind-blowing because that wasn't there before. Yeah, such a great step to be able to, like you say, um, when you're talking to the board or I'm sure when people are talking among teams, it's you can come up with ideas, but actually having money to put behind them is, is a crucial, crucial thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think especially within, like, so obviously donating to, to other Black Lives Matter um, charities is great, but a lot of people are donating to those. So what are we doing within any kind of any kind of sport? So Sporting Equals is also a really great charity that people have been donating towards because they are fighting racial injustice within sport, which is really great because that's like sort of directly related to what we do. Mm. Um, so sort of seeing these connections of your money can go further if you if you look at different ways of where to put them and I, I i'm really really enjoying seeing um different teams putting it towards their local their local charities just to see that it is going to be stretched way further and i think if you're a team thinking about fundraising or an individual that wants to put it towards something look at your local charities instead of the big ones because i know personally that those help so much more and those are the ones that really use the money in a in a great way yeah they can really get into the the roots of what's happening because as you say they're they're embedded in the local communities yeah so the things you talked about before in the in the um the uk board discussion the second aspect of that i wanted to talk to you about was um was disky chicks and, and kind of providing the opportunity to women to uh, get a foothold in, in Club Ultimate. So um, I suppose the first question about it is is why you started the team um, and, and what your experiences have been running it. So I started the team in, so just after my second or third year, third year of playing. So in my second year of playing, I played women's tour for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't realize women's tour existed. So I had played mixed before, but I had no idea this, this entire idea, this entire division of women's ever existed. Uh, so I I picked up for the only team that would accept pickups in London, which is ISO. And it was led by Philippa Stewart, who is my hero. She's amazing. And she taught me a lot about a lot about um, women's club ultimate. And it was just a whole different ballgame to me. And I loved it. I, I really enjoyed the trainings, but there were a lot of big names on the team. And there were a lot of GB um, women on the team. So we would go to tournaments and I would touch the disc like, once or twice per game if I was lucky 
and it was really frustrating. Like I loved the team and I loved the captains, but it was really frustrating to be there and knowing that I wasn't good enough because it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that I was like, oh, I should be touching the disc. It wasn't that. I was just like, I'm just not very good. All of these women are just much better than me and they deserve to touch the disc way more than me. Um, so I'm fine not touching the disc, but it's also really annoying because I'm not doing anything. Right. So there was there was another girl, Fran, who was also on the team who felt the exact same way. She's like, yeah, I know I'm not very good, but it would also be really fun to actually play. <laughs> so we were like, but who would we play? For? Like, is there a team out there that would actually accept us and then would actually let us play more, even if we're not very good? And it turns out that there wasn't one. So we're like, okay, well, let's just make up our own. I'm sure there are other university girls, especially. So at, at the time yeah. we were really focused on university girls because right. there weren't that many at playing club women's at that point. So we're like, I'm sure there's so many university girls out there. There's so many girls that we've, to, we've spoken to at tournaments at like women's internationals and all of that, that would love, like we'd love to play together instead of playing against each other. So we set up the team just like on a whim and it was incredible. The amount of people that signed up for that first year was weird because we had never, like I had never <laughs> captained like a proper women's team at uni. And we didn't know that we had like this. And this is like before like huge social media. Mm. But we had, but we had so many women that were like, yes, this sounds amazing. We get to play over the summer and it's fine. Uh, so we played and then, but we were aiming to do quite well. But again, we were all university players and right. we didn't do very well. It's tough to so do So after the first year, <laughs> exactly. So after the first year, I had to like completely reassess what the team was about because everyone felt really crap that we didn't win. Right. And then it's the same thing. It's like, but we're not very good because we're not mm -hmm. experienced yeah. and we're only going to get better if we get experienced. But those players in the next year had already become so much better just from one year of playing club. So, so I ended up like just changing the whole perspective. So yes, we're, we're going to get all these university girls coming to us, but it's fine if we lose and just changing that mindset of it's fine. If we lose, this is a development team really just pushed the team. And I think that's why it's become so sustainable after all these years, because it's fine. If we lose, it's fine if you don't want to play with us after a season. You're here to play this one season, even if it's just one tournament. If there's no other team for you, play with us and you get to touch the disc, even if you're terrible. And then you're going to get much better. So then you can actually play with teams that win in the future. And that's our stepping stone. And it's it's really mind boggling. It was really, really mind boggling to a lot of teams, especially open teams that were like, but you're just so terrible and you and you're always terrible but then you lose your best players so you're going to keep on being terrible and it was like but that's not the point like it's fine because we're just getting all these new people in and they're becoming really experienced through us and I love that like I, I think I feed off that really really well I the idea of not winning but individuals just getting so much better it makes me so happy that they're actually touching the disc the fact that they're still being thrown to after they've dropped the disc four times in a row because that doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't. And and it's great. And you can just see their confidence building because the moment that they get that fifth touch on the disc and they've caught it, they're like, yes, I can do this. So now I'm going to keep on doing this. And it, it makes me really, really happy. 
so that's kind of how it evolved in terms of in terms of the way the the team ethos has has sort of gone on um and it's it's worked to our advantage and i think it's worked to the advantage of the other teams around us they're getting great players out of us and and hopefully we keep on getting those players that don't have that step i talked about um kind of how you how you push people from the beginner level the, the early uh, early university level onto high level players and uh with a lot of people and I think the big thing is you need to give people the room to make mistakes and not get down on themselves it's so important because you learn by doing don't you that's how everyone learns you learn by trying things and then thinking okay well I can't do that I either need to work on it or not do it anymore and oh a hundred percent that space like, to make I've, mistakes is so important I've made I've made um a couple this like I'm not am I proud of it maybe I'm a little proud of it I've made a couple of women <laughs> cry on the pitch oh, no. because I've because I've done because I've done the thing that they didn't expect me to say like you're not you're not allowed to dump backwards right. I'm here and I'm free but you're not allowed to throw it to me I don't care if you throw it, I don't care if you throw it to the ground but you have to throw it forward right and some girls are just really scared about throwing forward and yeah. I remember like a really distinct memory of this girl being like but I can't do it but I can't do it there's no one there and I can't throw and I was like I don't care. I just need you to break that, just break it, even if it goes to the floor. And it went to the floor, and she was really upset about it. She was like, but you could have, it could have been up if you just saved it, or if, like, the dump had just saved it. Hmm. I was like, but then you wouldn't have learned anything. But you've sort of yeah. pushed, you've pushed past that. And it's really frustrating for a lot of these these players to sort of push past everything that they've been taught. I mean, the first couple of years, when you're starting off playing Ultimate, if there's no options, you dump the disc. Possession is everything. And I'm going against that. And it's it's really difficult, but it gives you that space. After a couple of times, you're like, actually, no one's going to be mad at me if this goes to the floor. But then I'm going to get yelled at if I do throw it backwards. So I guess I'm going to be doing this even if it goes to the floor. And I and that's how it builds. That's how it builds a lot of skill. It builds that confidence to do it. And a couple of years down the line, you're going to throw it forward and it's not going to go to the floor. And that makes me happy. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? People are afraid of failure. But then when you fail, it's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I fail again. Like, it's, you've already done it at that point. So you can just keep moving forward. Pretty much. So is there, it sounds like it's been, it sounds like you've enjoyed it, certainly. Is that, is that, is that you know, fair to say that it's been not necessarily what yeah. you expected when you started, but that you've enjoyed it? Oh, definitely. I mean, like I said, I I was not a very good player, and I'm still like I I'm like a little bit better than mediocre now. But the amount that it's taught me, so again, like pushing me, I had never really handled before. But then suddenly I was like, oh, I'm in charge, so I guess I need to handle. Okay, nobody's cutting. I guess I need to throw to the break side. So I played mixed a lot more competitive competitively than I do with women's. Mm -hmm. And all of those skills have suddenly made me way more of a threat with mixed because I know how to throw in ways that a lot of people aren't used to. And because with, with DC, I have to do that's like huck a lot just to try and get the disc down, just to give ourselves a chance. So I've, I've learned a lot of skills through DC and every year that I go into it, I have to have my own personal goals. Otherwise I'm probably going to go crazy. I need to think about what I need to work on this season and how am I going to get it through this and how am I going to get it with everyone else still doing what they need to be doing and 
how do I still do it as being a mentor? And if I didn't have those goals, I don't think I would enjoy it as much. So I've learned a lot through it, not only about leadership, but actually skills on the field. Um, and yeah, I've, I've not gotten sick of it. And I don't think I would ever really play competitive ultimate if I have DC there, just because I have, well, competitive women's ultimate, sorry, um, because I have DC there and I do have the mixed entryway mm. if I want more of a competition. It sounds like it's a great, kind of a great attitude to bring to it, um, that kind of finding your own development while helping other people develop. It's uh, it's really, you know, it's refreshing to hear because, as you say, it doesn't happen that often. People aren't generally given that many places to, to make the mistakes they need to make. Yeah. I mean, we've also had a couple of a couple of players that have played with DC that are a bit more experienced. And they were like, oh, we just want like a, a fun weekend of Ultimate. But I've had to tell them that, no, if you're going to play with us, you're not going to be playing in your usual role. You have to push yourself in some different way because I need this to be a, a good experience for you. And if you're sort of playing with the mindset that I'm the best one here without actually having to push yourself in any kind of a way, again, it it does eat you up and it can frustrate you. So it's like everyone needs to be terrible together in a way or everyone needs to be developing together there we go everyone needs to be developing together no matter what your experience level is otherwise could that be be like a mental thing an attitude type thing as well as a as well as an actual playing thing definitely definitely and we've had and we've had um women that have sort of done that and have gotten so much out of the weekend because they're like we've played really competitive ultimate before but we still haven't gotten x and y out of it Hmm. and it taught us to do this and that and I love that because it really is a development thing. We are a developing team just because like, it's not just for beginners. It's for anyone wanting to develop some kind of a skill. There's that place for you. So I have kind of two, two questions really about DC. Sure. The first is, uh, is there anything that you think you would, looking back now, is there anything you would have done differently uh, if you had kind of kn- knowing what you know now, if you went back to when you started the team, is there anything you would have done differently? Um, I think, well, the first thing is the name. So sure. Sure. our team name, so our team name has currently gone through a change because uh, the, the term Dixie, so it's based on the Dixie Chicks who yeah. are the best, like they're such a great band and I've been a big fan of them since I was like really young. I, I, so, I agree, love, love country and they're great, so they're they're amazing um but then they came out with their statement that they are they're dropping the dixie mm-hmm. and i had not done any research about it beforehand i did not know what it was about and that it had like the the slave connotations and i was like oh this is bad and even though we are not dixie we are disky for me it's like no pun is good enough if it has racial undertones yeah. like it's just it's just none um so I wish I did a bit more research about that beforehand, uh, but it's fine. We're changing our name. It's not a huge deal because that's mm-hmm. what we have to do. That's what we need to do. And sure. it's great. Uh, so that's one thing I would change. I think what would be the other thing I would change? I don't think there is much else. I think I, I would have started. So the first couple of years, I was very, I, I, I thought that we needed to have so much more structure in terms of how the team was run. So we would have like really, we would have like um, AGMs and trying to actually get people to vote in captains 
and it worked horribly because because we're such like a fleeting team yeah nobody knew like if they were supposed to vote or nobody knew if they wanted to run for captain because they were kind of looking at playing with other teams next yeah. year yeah and it was really really difficult and because in my head this is how every team is supposed to be run it it drove me a bit crazy over the first few years and over the last couple of years all i've done is put out the sign-ups see if anyone wants to volunteer to become a captain or do any of the other like delegation work mm. and if not i just force people to um <laughs> even even if it means that they're only captaining one game and everyone takes a turn to captain one game of the weekend mm -hmm. i i'm never the captain i've never been the captain ever since the first year of it um, which a lot of people, again, are surprised by because they just think I'm there to captain and they ask me like, oh, are you the captain? But I've sort of labeled myself as the mentor over the last few years. And any tournaments that I can't make, I have a couple of my experienced friends that come in as the mentor. So we still have other captains and sort of still forcing other people to fill in those roles, even if it's last minute. Mm. Like you don't need to stress about it as much as you think you do, because we're not that formal of a team so right. I think that's one thing that I've adapted to um but I don't think I I'm really happy with how the team has run and I think we've always had a great we've always had great feedback um there's the only thing that I wish would would go better <laughs> is just recruiting and just getting more people to to get their their players to come along and to play. So especially university students, especially people from like pickup teams that, that they know that they have these women that want to play a bit more competitively, but don't know where, or don't know how to. Yeah. So just getting the word out there a bit more because year after year, there are girls that show up who already maybe in like their second or third years and they're like, oh, we wish we knew about this in our first year. Mm, yeah. And it really frustrates me. I was like, why didn't you know about it? What have I, what have I done wrong? But it's really hard for me to, to get into all of these channels because you think you're doing everything, but it turns out that there's that you don't know how to actually get in contact with everyone and relying on the word of mouth is so important. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? There's so many different avenues to use that who knows how many of the right ones you're using. So I suppose it's a, a constant battle really it must be. Yeah. So my other question is, um, given that you've, I mean, you said you've had um, hundreds of, of women come through the club and there's been a lot who've gone on to other teams. What do you think is the key thing, or if there, if there was yeah. one, maybe two things, what's the key thing that you would say to other teams that people can take what you've done and apply it to themselves? Is there, is there any one thing, any couple of things? What, what's the, what's the key, the key points that you've got really? Um, I think that allowing for mistakes, I think, I think it's really difficult because because of the competitive nature of like every other team out there yeah. and we're very easy to let players go but the idea of challenge them challenge those players if you don't want them to go somewhere else challenge them because a lot of, a lot of the time that's the, that's the reason why they're leaving so find find something to to bring them back in um because like I said, that's even though we let our players go, that's how we get them in in the first place. And that's how I get them to play ultimate later on is to to make them challenge themselves game by game. Okay, so you've done this now. What are you doing in the next point? It's sort of the same principle over the season. 
okay, you've done this last season, what are you actually going to bring to the season and how are you going to do that within this team? I think that's really important because there are, I mean, especially, so we're in London, especially in London, there's so much movement all the time. And it, like, how can, there are barely any other teams apart from the, the top elite teams that can ever topple them. Yeah. And I think it because there's just so much movement between the teams. If a team had to stick together for a couple of years with like the same kind of a lineup, I think those teams would really challenge the others. Yeah. But because people get bored, they find other teams a bit more competitive. It's really difficult. I mean, I I've been through all the teams in London, so yeah. I mean, people even get sick of travel, don't they? It's like but... if you live in one part of London or if you live in one part of the country, and it's you're traveling to get to a team, and then. I can't be bothered to travel all that way anymore. Oh, it could be something as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else would I bring to it? I think a lot of teams forget to have fun. So even mm. even teams at the lower end of women's tour that we've played against, they're just having the most miserable time. And you can't, like, for me, I can't understand why. Like, we we don't win many games, if any. And when we lose, we lose by a lot. So we are playing teams that are like already 10 points ahead of us, but they're they're miserable. And it really it really blows my mind. So so I just don't understand why why they can't bring a bit more understand that this is ultimate is even though it's like competitive and all of that, it's people's time and their money and their leisurely activity. So what is it that's making it worth it to them? At yes. some point you really have to see what's happening right there and are people actually enjoying themselves because so like even with the the worst of the weather I mean I was thinking back to some of the games where it's like you, it's so cold that you can't feel your fingertips and there's just like horizontal rain in your face and a team like us we're losing 13-0 but we're still having so much more fun than the other team and I just I just can't understand that and it's the teams you see other teams i think deep space one of those that if you look across the field at like a mixed tournament they're always having a good time and have a smile on their face there's a couple of other teams that are great with that as well no matter what their level is and i i really look at those teams and i think yes they're doing it right and everyone loves it um i think it's really important to not lose sight of why you play yeah and I know not everyone feels that way, um, but for me, it really is, it's a big commitment. Ultimate is a big commitment, no matter what level you're on. And yeah. like, just for your mental health, you really have to make sure that you're enjoying it. Otherwise, it otherwise it's fleeting. Like you wouldn't miss it. Like there's so many people that aren't missing it as much during quarantine, which is, blows my mind because they're like, actually, I've realized that I've had all my weekends free all this time. And I don't know. It's it's a whole thing. I certainly I've been feeling I have been feeling like oh I have loads more time, but then I'm thinking what do I want to do with my time, and I kind of yeah. want to kind of go and throw a frisbee around and see my friends at training. Like that's exactly. I, there's definitely bits of it I don't miss, but there's definitely a lot of bits of it that I do miss. So yeah, lockdown. Has I know, been, like that's has been an adjustment. It's so rewarding. Like I find it so rewarding, and that whole that whole idea of training and just seeing your friends, and just being there for your teammates even on those like really horrible, horrible days and trainings and tournaments, 
just looking up and seeing your teammates, even if it's just something dumb and they're just smiling at you. Like, that's why I play. That's yeah. why I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so it is really, so I think it's really important for people not to lose sight of that, no matter what their level is. I, I have to say, before we move on, one of the things I don't miss is that horizontal rain and that wind in Nottingham, that stuff you were talking about. That's really, that's high on the <laughs> list of things I don't miss. <laughs> so, oh. um, to put, to put, you just a... have to be prepared. I mean, with, with DC, <laughs> I have like a whole list. A whole list? What's the list? A whole list of like how to prepare for Nottingham. Oh, like, yeah, there's yeah. everything on there that I was not told at my first tournament. Like, this is what you need to prepare for. Bring six pairs of socks. Yeah, yeah. A jumper. At least one, maybe five. <laughs> oh, my God. These students, some of these students show up with, with nothing. And I'm like, what What are you, do what are you doing? Yeah. So I've had, to, I've had to borrow so much. Like, I bring two raincoats at all time oh, um, wow. to any of these tournaments. Yeah, I always have a raincoat <laughs> and an umbrella. Just because I know that someone's going to show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone's going to be unprepared. Exactly. So the final thing, um, one of the things that we're going to be doing every time we do one of these is um, the best line segment. So this best line, the, the thinking behind it is you have to score a point. So it's whether it's sudden death, it doesn't really matter whether it's on ORD, you need to score a point um, and you're on the sideline, you're not playing. So you need seven players. Um, so you'll be picking the women's division. So we need seven women that you would put on the line to score this point. So, Fauzia, what is your best line? Okay, so just to put it out there, I've decided to go with some of the DC alumni. Um, mm -hmm. So the best, oh, it was tough. It was tough because we've had some really great players come out of it. But I think a couple of them are just undisputed and you would put them on the line no matter what. And I think some people are going to be shocked that they, that they were DC players in the past. So it could be you, anyone listening in the future, it could be you. Okay. Um, but I'm going to start off with probably the most obvious pick. She helped found DC with me. She grew, she drew the little chick that is on our kit, and that is Karen Kwok. Okay, pretty good so start. Easy, pretty good start. Easy, easy pick. Um, second pick, also incredible player, just the loveliest person ever, and just a menace on field is Claire Baker. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have Becca Jones, who is has just become such a phenomenal player. I love watching her play. She's just so rapid, just gets the best ups. And yeah, Becca Jones. Okay, three the for three on Icini one... so far, so going well. <laughs> going well. Um, we'll switch it up from Icini mm -hmm. from now on. Uh, Jen Hagen, I'm not sure if you've if you've seen her play or not. She is my current teammate on Zoo Ultimate, mm -hmm. and she is the reason why we win games. Her defense is unrivaled. Like her layout Ds just for anyone, any of the time is madness. I, I just, I love her so much. I love watching her play and I wish I was as athletic as her. Um, Claire Simpson from Brixton is my next pick who, if we needed one of the, the best handlers and just to have like a great handler play, She's amazing. She has some incredible hooks and her give and go. Like I, her fast feet and her give and go are pretty much unrivaled. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. The next player I have on my list is Emily Hawkins. So I think she currently plays with Leeds. Um, so I, uh, this is based on me kind of sneakily watching her at Tora last year. So she played with us in 2018. 
Um, and I watched her play with Leeds last year, and just like a couple of points that I watched, she had improved so much. And it's it was only a year, so the space that she had improved upon makes me think that by now she would be even more incredible. Yeah. And I would definitely want her on that on that line. Okay. Um, and my final pick again is probably like an un, unheard name within more of like the senior players, and it is Alana Calm. Calm, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so she played with us in 2018 when she was 16 years old. Oh wow. Yeah, she's currently on the GB under 20s, and like I don't I don't understand these kids that just show up and are like they just seem so knowledgeable on a lot of tactics and a lot of like really great positioning and field awareness. Again, 16 years old, there was this one point where she got three hand blocks in a row against a very, very experienced team and a very, very experienced handler. And it blew my mind. She would be on any team ever that I would pick. And if you're ever at a twin or if you're ever watching any of the GB under 20 games, keep an eye out for her because she's incredible. Wow. Well, it's a, it's a very strong theme, I have to say. It's very good. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it should be. So I was going to say, it's been, it's been great. It's been really, really interesting and really enlightening hearing about those kind of two, two focus areas. Um, yes, thanks for your time. It's been really good. No worries. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you to Fauzia for her time and also for all the effort she's putting into building and improving the sport in the UK. I'll put some of the stuff that we talked about on our Facebook page so that uh, you can all get involved if you want to. Uh, Thank you again for listening and I will speak to you soon.